This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, golf fans. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Today is our August long weekend best of edition of the show. Adam Scully here in studio. We'll hear from Bob and Mark throughout the hour as we're now in the dog days of summer. And as we always do for the August long weekend, we have a best of show where we look back at some of our uh, Favorite interviews throughout uh, the month of July, favorite moments, winners, weird and what. Throughout the next couple hours, we're going to hear from Nick Taylor. We're going to hear from a couple of big social media stars, Mac Boucher, Micah Morris. We'll hear from winners on PGA Tour Canada, Ryan Paul, the tournament director of the CPKC Women's Open, and we'll play one of our more recent winners, weird and what as well. But to kick off, our best of edition of GTC, we take a look back at the Open Championship where Brian Harmon won in runaway fashion. So Mark, people on social media were complaining that the Open Championship was maybe not very entertaining, but some would make that argument because of the dominating performance by Brian Harmon. Just in terms of uh, his performance itself, just how... How special was that, and how dominating was it uh, for Brian Harmon at the Open Championship? Well, I, you know, it's hard to argue with them, right, guys? I mean, we didn't really have much to watch. We didn't have much. Uh, I listened to it on, on the radio, on Open Championship radio most of the day, caught the end. Uh, but there really wasn't much to watch. I think the lead on Saturday got down to two shots, and when it got down to two, he immediately got the lead back, put the hammer down, and, and spread the gap again. It was it seemed to be a one-man race. If you take Harmon off the leaderboard, it's a pretty good major championship we've got there with a bunch of guys at seven and six under and big names that would have been fighting it out down the stretch. But I'm with them. And, and Adam, you texted me yesterday, and I, I didn't, wasn't really thinking about it at the time because I was only thinking about the Open Championship. But this could be, in terms of just drama, excitement, captivating television, and we could throw the Players' Championship into the mix on this one as well because of what Scotty Scheffler did there. Potentially the worst season of major championship golf when it comes to drama, must-see TV. I mean, it was kind of a snooze fest, which is funny because the PGA Tour season – Canadian Open, Detroit, et cetera, like going back to the, the West Coast swing. PGA Tour season has been exceptional, but the majors have really not provided us much. Yeah, I think probably the PGA might have been mm-hmm. the closest one, right, that had uh, at least you know, they kept it into the, the last few holes where something could have happened, although Brooks Kepka wasn't really going to give that one away. Um, but going back to Brian Harmon, maybe – Maybe he's not getting enough credit for how well he played. I mean, if this had been Tiger or Rory, we would have been sort of gushing over what he achieved and how he achieved it. I thought this was just like almost surgical how we went around this golf course, especially on the weekend. Bob, that's the word, isn't it? I think you hit the nail on the head. I I hadn't thought of that term yet. You know, you use words like plotter and precise 
and, uh, you know, just kind of like navigating your way around. But surgical, I think, is a great term to use here because he needs to play that way. And I think the reason we're not gushing is there's nothing a lot sexy about Brian Harmony. He hasn't hit it far. He's not a big guy. He's five, six hundred and a half at best, soaking wet. Um, there's nothing here that, you know, is going to sell, sell magazines, so to speak. You know, uh, you're, you're not putting uh, butts in seats with Brian Harmon. And it's unfortunate because you're right. This, this was an incredible performance. 58 of 59 inside 10 feet. I mean, think about that putting performance. He missed one putt inside 10 feet on you know, these are not the smoothest greens in the world uh, when we play Lynx Championship Golf. Um, they, they, he, they went through a bunch of different uh, speeds for the week. You know, when they were drier earlier in the week, soaked by the time we got to Sunday, um, and much slower by the time we got to Sunday. And when you think about the fact that he was avoiding three putts and making, you know, almost perfect inside 10 feet for four days, I mean, wow. I mean, it's hard hard to beat that that's clutch putting and and he kept it in the fairway you know which you had to do avoided the bunkers bob you and i were talking about that at saturday when we were out of glen abbey how he just has you know before he teed off on 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 saturday he managed to you know just avoid every pot bunker on that golf course it seems so um yeah if this was anybody else if this was jason day rory mcelroy john rom right now on top of that leaderboard uh with this type of win we'd all be losing our minds and for a guy who hit two balls in the bunker all week, only two shots went in the bunker all week. One of them was on the 72nd hole when the tournament was already well over. Now, you mentioned that he only missed one putt inside of 10 feet all week. That came on the 13th hole in Sunday's final round. Only missing one putt inside 10 feet really works well for the Ryder Cup, where Brian Harmon is now third in the U.S. team standings. He very well, I would say, was going to be on that squad now. In Italy, what do you expect from Brian Harmon here, not only for the rest of the season, Mark, but for the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Well, I mean, we're going to get into some situations out. The Ryder Cup's going to be an interesting one, guys, because he, yes, he's an incredible putter, but he also doesn't bring a lot of firepower off the tee. And he doesn't have a ton of international team experience. This isn't a guy that used to be, you know, an absolute regular on President's Cup, Ryder Cup, that's now coming back to the fold. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that team. For the remainder of the playoffs and the rest of the year, I mean, we're getting into some big ballparks again, right? Uh, he's a great player, been out there for 12 years, but you know, the result this is only his third career win. So I don't think we can get, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to get into some ballparks now where the power of a Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, the, the speed of some of these guys, you know, even a Wyndham Clark for that matter, that are inside the top 10 are going to be huge assets when we get to places where, you know, flying a golf ball, 310, 320 is going to be a big advantage. We'll see. I got to like guys right now. I know we're going to put in our picks this week for Minnesota, and then we'll do Wyndham, and then the playoffs will start. Uh, with the way Sepp Straka is playing right now and the way he played last year in Memphis, with the exception of the the worst golf swing I saw all year last year on the PGA Tour in the playoff, with the exception of that one swing, hard to really not like Sepp Straka when we get to Memphis, knowing what he did there last year and knowing the way he's playing right now. I, I think we got to keep our eyes on that one. You know, the uh, yeah, the last time uh, Brian Harmon played in any team competition international, I think it was the Walker yeah. Cup when he was back as an amateur golfer. 
I would think he'd be great in alternate shot if you can sync it up so he gets uh, uh, doesn't have to hit off the long holes and can use that putter as he did on the, on the weekend. But um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what his pal and the uh, captain Zach Johnson does there. Mark, in your mind, though, switching subjects just a bit, who is the guy? Who is the player that you're most I don't know, disappointed in, I guess, in terms of this event and perhaps the major season. Don't we have to go with Rory McIlroy again, guys? Exactly. I mean, he came in off a heater in in Scotland. Uh, He was so good at finishing off that Genesis. And, you know, did he get kind of in the mix, you know, on the Sunday again? Well, isn't it the traditional Rory McIlroy backdoor top 10 almost what was it a backdoor top uh, almost a backdoor top five uh, this time uh, it ends up being t6 so but we're kind of back to the same story and he got off to a decent start it wasn't the thursday and i know bob you and i have been kind of harping on him getting out of the gates on a thursday he, i thought he got out of the gates fine this week but just really sustained no momentum on friday and saturday and we're we're back to the staring at the putter staring at harry going you know why can't i make anything um i think overall from a major championship season another year goes by and another year goes by with rory still not winning a major and and unfortunately he's in my opinion guys he's got to carry that around with him again and the conversation is going to get even bigger when we get to april uh, for me, I think, you know, clearly for him, for just this event, I was disappointed in John Rahm's behavior, to be honest with you. I, I didn't really, you know, I know he's fiery, and I know when you when you have passion and you want passion from your athletes, sometimes it comes with the, you know, the other side of that coin. But, I mean, come on, John, you're playing in a group with Rory McIlroy. You've got a star-studded group uh, to, to kick off Thursday, and you're upset at, you know, cameras, players, uh, patrons, etc. By the way, Scotland has some of the most respect, uh, respectful golf fans in the planet. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about his after after round comments on Thursday, but I'm like, you know, after he won the Masters, I feel like John Robb's almost taken the rest of the season off. Maybe he needs to look in the mirror and say, hey, if you want, you know, he, he, he's another one that waited, you know, too long to get in this championship. Maybe he should have been grinding it out a little bit more this summer. Yeah, you wonder when Rom made those comments, he had just missed a three-foot putt on the 18th hole. Maybe he was still uh, unhappy about that. And Ferrari McIlroy, 20 top 10s at majors since that last dub in 2014. Seven top 10s in his last eight majors. But you know what the good thing is? There's only 265 days until the Masters, Mark, so we can talk all about this so much, right? Right? Yeah, there's too much time now. <laughs> and you know he's going to play great in the Ryder Cup. He always does because... What, 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 you know, and I've got my own uh, personal experience in this. Uh, and, and I see players like Ian Poulter is a perfect example of this. There are some players when and they get in that match play scenario and look at the way Rory putted this year in the, in the WGC match play. Some guys can flip a switch in their brain when they're putting for match play. They hit the putt with a little bit more speed. They take a little less break. They use the backboard at the back of the cup because the match play brain says, I don't need to worry about the one coming back. The match play brain says, I need to hold this putt. And Rory is right up there with one of the greatest match play putters in the world. Uh, Ian Poulter is probably the best example. Uh, never made a thing when, he, when it counted anywhere outside of the Ryder Cup, but at the Ryder Cup, somehow he's Superman and, and can make everything. And I think Rory will probably have an epic 
Ryder Cup in Rome and we'll be calling it, you know, Rory's team when we get to Rome and when we leave Rome. And then it'll be, okay, can this translate anywhere else? And to your point, Adam, we got forever and a day between now and Augusta to, to exhaust this topic with Rory. And for all we know, guys, he wins another uh, FedEx Cup. Would it surprise any of us? If, he, if we left Eastlake and he was hoisting another trophy, wouldn't surprise me at all. Just doesn't change anything. Or uh, or he might win the European Tour one in Dubai as well. So yeah. he can maybe do the double again. Uh, <laughs> you know, I want to ask you something. At the start of this year, if you had asked me if the Ryder Cup was going to be competitive, I would have said, no, it's going to be a whitewash for the Americans. I'm I'm changing my opinion a little bit right now. I don't know about you, Mark, but, but I think that the European team might uh, surprise a few people. I, if you guys recall, at the end of last year, we'll have to go back and see if we can grab the audio. We did our year in review, year wrap-up shows, and we did predictions for 2023. And one of my predictions was that uh, the European team will upset the Americans on Roman soil in come Ryder Cup 2023. So I, I, now I, I thought it was a bigger prediction when I made it. Because I was really kind of under the assumption that there was going to be, I was just, I was just expecting a bit of a youth in- injection into that team, and I was expecting a, a few faces to come to the forefront then that we weren't anticipating, and maybe that's happened a bit. And I also expected that Rory and Rob Fitzpatrick would have great years. It hasn't happened for Fitzpatrick, but Fleetwood, I think, is certainly maybe one of those guys. And there's a couple other names in there. They'd love to get an Italian on the team. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, Bob, I'm with you. My my upset prediction I don't think is as big of an upset, to your point, as what it was you know, in November of last year when I made it. I think now, although the Americans still clearly the favorite, you know, I don't think it's as weighted as heavy as it was uh, you know, uh, uh, back in the fall. And look at the leaderboards. To your point, Bob, look at the leaderboards of some of the big events this year and some of those European names that have played well in majors that have poked uh, uh, poked their head up in there um, in these big events. It's starting to become uh, a regular. I- I'm looking for I can't wait for Ryder Cup. Well, right now on FanDuel, Mark, I just looked, the Europeans <laughs> are a plus 185 underdog on FanDuel to win the Ryder Cup, the U.S. minus 170, and for a tie, plus 1,100. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside our August long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Scully here in studio. Well, recently, Nick Taylor was in the Toronto area doing what we call in the biz, the car wash. He was going to a number of different media outlets discussing his iconic victory at the RBC Canadian Open. Hard to believe that was about two months ago now where Nick Taylor rolled in that 72-foot putt to make history. And as a part of that car wash, our own Bob Weeks 
not only had a chance to interview, but also spent a lot of the day with Nick going from different station to different station, even going to the Sky Dome as well to see uh, Nick Taylor uh, have some fun uh, on the field there uh, at the Dome at the Rogers Center. Here's Bob and Nick Taylor one-on-one. Nick Taylor, welcome to Toronto, the Big Smoke. You're doing the uh, what we call the car wash. You're going yeah. around and visiting pretty much everybody in uh, the building here at uh, Bell Media and being on a lot of shows that wouldn't normally have a golfer, yeah. which kind of says something about what you accomplished this year. Now, I know we've talked a hundred times about the pod and all that, so I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into that. We will in a bit, but what, what's, what's the life been like for you since that compared to what it was before the win? Yeah, I think I've been definitely recognized more so at golf tournaments, you know, post the Kane Open that I probably maybe normally wouldn't have. I think the U.S. Open was probably the most uh, prevalent for that, being the week after. But, you know, fans yelling 72-foot putt, uh, congratulations. I felt like oh, a lot of caddies and players coming up and congratulating Dave and I was was probably very memorable, I think, for both of us, just kind of their experiences and how excited they were for us and how they were watching. So, um, you know, at home, life hasn't really changed a whole lot, still changing plenty of diapers and doing that. <laughs> With our newborn, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been fun to kind of soak up that part on the golf course. Okay, there's there's a personal side to what you accomplished. There's what Nick Taylor did. There's also the magnitude of what it means for Canadian golf. For all you guys who are out there right now, uh, I mean, it's been arguably the best year ever for Canadian golf, highlighted by your victory. But are you able to kind of put that in perspective yet? I think I'm trying to. I don't think the uh, the magnitude of it is probably quite hit yet. I think probably postseason is when I can really think about it. I think golf is interesting where, you know, the next week up, you're still trying to win a golf tournament and there's not much time to, to look back. Um, with the playoffs heading up, you know, I think I'll you know, obviously give everything I can for there and hopefully win a FedEx Cup and um, have something else to talk about. But, uh, yeah, it'll be... I think, like I said, Canadian golf is in the best spot it's probably ever been. Um, and I think it keeps getting better, so kind of have the cherry on top this year with that win and you know take a monkey off the back for a lot of guys not not having to answer the questions of if Kane's going to win the Kane Open um you know is, is a pretty cool thing okay let's let's go through a couple things that people have asked me about uh, about the day of not so much about the putt itself but yeah. what did, what did Tommy Fleetwood say when you gave him a hug um it was very loud but I do remember him saying just the incredible golf because I actually played with him the first two days but the last three rounds coming back from from not a great first round um saying that congratulating you know tommy's very graceful and an amazing player so um to have those nice words was was uh was very nice of him what did you do between the time you finished and the time you had to start the playoff you were in the locker room yeah we went in there i facetimed with my wife briefly um i think when i was actually in scoring tommy had birdied 16 and then we were watching he had birdied 17 so there was there was almost a downer feel because i'm 18 was a very gettable hole um after he hit his second shot into the rough is when I kind of started to go warm up, thinking that, you know, birdie was actually more unlikely um, from that position. So, yeah, it, it was it felt very fast, I feel like, even though he played probably two or three holes. But um, I wanted to stay kind of as loose as possible. And, um, yeah, it felt like it was probably five minutes, but I'm sure it was 30 minutes. The, the ebb and flow of the playoff, how hard was that to manage? And was there a point where you thought, okay, he's going to make this or... I'm going to make this before you actually sank the putt? Yeah, you know, the first playoff hole where there was a few swings there, I felt like, um, you know, I have definitely had the upper hand on the green. Um, and he made a great 25-footer, I feel like, from there. And, you know, I've, it was almost a match play situation where, 
I had to expect he was going to make that. I felt like I was in a good mindset and expecting him to make that. So when I had my five or six footer to extend the playoff, you know, in the back of my mind before I hit it, I, I knew I was going to have to make it. Um, and then he had a couple opportunities and I felt like I, I got some luck there. Um, the second playoff hole, it, it was, you know, I didn't feel great standing there watching with, with it out of my hands. But um, yeah, to, to get to the fourth hole and kind of be in a good spot there, trying to put it as close as possible and then for it to drop was just, uh, was obviously incredible. How many times have you uh, had to tell people about the putt? Like you've been asked, we've been going through this car wash here today. Yeah. You probably had, I don't know, 10 interviews already and everyone talks about the putt. Does that sort of put the, the fact that that may be the most famous golf shot in Canadian golf history, recent Canadian golf history? Yeah, I'm sure there's a bit of recency bias, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about. I think people's reaction to it, where they were, how they celebrated. You know, I've had players, you know, American players, you know, I was in tears watching that. Like it's, it's I think the impact there's what's done on me that I, I probably still isn't sinking in. Um, how cool it is, I think, for people to win their national open for the drought that we'd had for so long. Um, is very special. Okay, so the playoffs are coming. There's five Canadians in the playoffs. Uh, new format this year, 70 and, and, uh, and low from there, and then down to 50 and 30. How do you prepare for what's going to be arguably a real tough slug here in the next little bit? Yeah, it's going to be a hot stretch being out in the southeast. Um, you know, it's a new format. There's a lot of points up for grabs. I'm trying to position myself as well as I can for East Lake. Um, so, yeah, a nice two-week break after kind of the U.K. swing. Jet lag was, was tough to get over probably for four or five days, but um, yeah, it'll be, I think it's a lot of positioning for the final event. Anything can happen with, with the staggered setup they have now. You know, the leader starting at 10 under par all the way down to even. Um, if you're as, as high up as possible, it gives you the best chance, and that's the point of it. So um, try to have a couple of really nice events, but obviously you want to be peaking probably for the East Lake. The, the focus on you, of course, and why you're here is because you won the RBC Canadian Open, but you've had a sensational year. This is I would think, having covered you for, since you were an amateur, I think this is probably the best year you ever had. Would you agree with that? And if so, is there something that's led to that? Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. I think even pre-K and Open, it was probably one of my best years consistency-wise, you know, being in the hunt multiple times, not quite getting a win. But, um, you know, it was more of a point of focus after last season to, to clean up a few things, um, try to get my routines a little bit better, be more consistent with what I'm working on. And, I felt like over the fall there were some results, but we really fine-tuned of what I wanted to work on, what made me the best I can be, and um, I think we found a pretty good formula. Um, you know, I'm still, I think the consistency can be a little bit better in a sense where um, making more cuts, being in contention as much as possible, but I felt like when I've been in the situation to try to win a tournament this year, I've probably been as bad as best as I have been. Is there, is there a, a part of your game you're really satisfied with this year that's changed? You know, I think everything has taken a step forward. Um, you know, with putting since I've kind of gone to a new grip and we've made a few changes there, it's been really consistent. I think it's really helped, you know, my, my good ball striking rounds. I've been able to shoot low numbers um, and kind of hang in there when, when the ball striking hasn't quite been there. But um, that's probably been the biggest improvement stats-wise and probably how I feel with confidence as well. Is it fun right now to be Nick Taylor? <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I'm... I've, this will be, this is my ninth year on the PJ Tour. Um, I'm grateful for that. I think for this to be in my ninth season, to kind of have the ups and downs that I've had, I guess you could say, throughout my career with some wins, but also, you know, fighting to keep my job. Um, you know, it's pretty cool to happen at this point in my career. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you.
This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside our August long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, we've seen as of late different kinds of golfers become popular in social media. And YouTube golfers are becoming a huge thing now in the world of golf. And in this segment, we're going to hear from two guys who are huge on Instagram, on YouTube, the works. Starting off with Mac Boucher, who's the most followed Canadian golfer on social media. Mac was on our show recently where I had a chance to interview him. He also showed me how to hit some of his signature shots which was a ton of fun here's my interview with mac voucher pleased to be joined by the most followed canadian golfer on social media mac voucher mac how does that sound it's pretty cool it's definitely pretty surreal considering i've only been at it for a short amount of time yeah. but uh not something i expected to happen but here we are okay so you mentioned a short amount of time how did this all begin for you so during COVID, I moved back from New Zealand. Uh, I was there full-time teaching at a course in Queenstown. Absolutely loved it. Thought I had my life figured out. Obviously, the pandemic kind of threw a curveball at me. Uh, I was forced to move back to Canada. Kind of just needed something to fill the void. I'm a creative person. Just needed something to keep my mind kind of active during COVID. So I started slamming out these videos on Instagram just as something fun to do. And then it kind of just started snowballing a little bit. And I'm like, hmm, it could be a little bit of an opportunity to turn it into something, so. And you were in Dubai when things really kicked off, is that right? Yeah, so I was over there um, kind of, I guess, December 2020, I went over there just because I'm like, Toronto shut down, couldn't teach indoors. <laughs> I was teaching at a little facility in Toronto, TXG. And then, um, yeah, it was, uh, just went to Dubai as a, on a whim, so. Wow. And then here we are. Here we so are. you mentioned teaching. So you've also taught uh, both in New Zealand and in Toronto. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So I was um, New Zealand's kind of where I really started teaching okay. full time. Okay. Um, and then when I moved back, I actually taught. I was a head teacher professional in the Skoka Bay Club mm. um, for a bit before I went into to Dubai. And then I was yeah. teaching at TXG in the wintertime, just indoor facility allowed me to keep on doing it. So people browse your Instagram, your social media handles, and they think, how good of a player are you actually? So give us, give our audience a sense of your background of how much golf you played growing up. Yeah, so I mean, I picked up the game pretty late. It started quite late compared to like most people yeah. at the level I'm at. Um, I went through a phase where I was, you know, Ontario Am, Canadian Am, qualified for some USGA events as an amateur. Uh, got my card for PGA Tour Canada, my first time going to Q School. Played professionally, realized pretty quick that I wasn't going to make a real career at it. Obviously, professional golf, people don't quite understand how good those guys are. Um, and now I'm just kind of a washed up Instagram guy that just enjoys getting out there. So Okay, I wouldn't put it that far. But now, so what's it like for you, you know, getting the notoriety you're getting now? Like, we're doing a shoot here. We have four cameras set up. You're being recognized everywhere. What's that like for you? So, coming, I'm a very introverted person. Yeah. I'm very keep to myself, never been much of, like, enjoy the spotlight. Mm -hmm. So that's probably been the biggest adjustment for me is people coming up to me on the street, people coming to me at every course I go to kind of wanting to chat and I love it. Like I get to meet a lot of really cool people, but it's it's definitely new to me. It's been the hardest part for me is stepping out of my comfort zone 
uh, not just crawling into my little turtle shell like I used to. So. And, and part of that notoriety is, is gaining relationships with companies, TaylorMade being one of them. How important is the, your relationship with uh, TaylorMade? So TaylorMade was great because when I was playing full-time, I used to use a TaylorMade driver. They used to ship me a, kind of the head every year, and it's a relationship that's pretty cool to see it evolve into what it is now. Mm -hmm. Through every stage, I was when I was uh, uh, teaching full-time, I was on the staff deal with them, so I, I've been using the TaylorMade clouds for a while, and it's, it's pretty cool that they've kind of stood stood by me through each kind of uh, era of my, my golf life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So people see the shots that you hit, which we're going to get to shortly, but travel is a big part mm -hmm. of your life now. Do you have a bucket list course that you haven't quite gotten to yet? Um, I'm not sure if I have a bucket list course. I kind of like just take it as it comes each day, and um, I feel like that way I'm always experiencing courses that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path, mm -hmm. maybe ones that aren't on other people's bucket lists. So that's kind of been the, the way I've gone. I, I feel like I need to play Pebble Beach just because it's Pebble Beach. Um, I potentially have the opportunity to play Pine Valley coming up, Ooh. which I mean, Ooh. I'm not going to be allowed to video, but it would be a pretty cool <laughs> You so, could talk all yeah, about, it. Talk about you, it. You certainly couldn't, uh, couldn't film there, uh, that's for sure. So how about the favorite place you've traveled so far? So New Zealand's yeah. my favorite place. Yeah. I mean, that place has a special place in my heart for sure. Um, I spent a little bit of time the last year there. Uh, I've gone over twice. Of course, Jack's Point is like my favorite place on planet Earth. Really? I just go hang out there for hours and it's uh, kind of just feels like my place. So Wow. Now, we mentioned off the top, you know, you being the most followed Canadian golfer on social media. For you, though, what's next? So for now, I'm trying to build, I mean, the shelf life of social media, you don't really know. So for me, it's creating a brand that's got some longevity that can kind of like a bubble that moves with me. Mm -hmm. um, I love traveling. I love like the tourism side of golf. So um, getting into the YouTube scene, I think, is going to give me that opportunity to really kind of um, have that kind of bubble that travels with me, which I'm trying to... Yeah, and, and for that too, like this, this this new YouTube era of golf, if you will, you get to see all these younger people in a different light. Like we've watched golf all, all of our lives on Saturday, Sunday, and you don't really get to get, you know, don't really get to know the players very well. Sure. But for this, this is a chance for you to show your personality off, correct? Yeah, 100%. I think that's something that I, I have lacked on Instagram. It's, it's a one minute kind of video that I <laughs> cut up and toss it on there. So I think I'm a little bit misperceived on what my actual kind yeah. of attitude is with things so YouTube will allow me to express that a little bit more and I mean I'm enjoying stepping out of my comfort zones because it's something new to me and it's it's pretty fun so yeah totally okay so I mentioned you know people scrolling through your feed they see the pro tracer they see the slinging shots how did you start incorporating these shots into your game so I've always been a creative person on the course I was self-taught I did take some lessons I was taught by Sean Foley uh, Connor O'Shea local guy mm -hmm. um, they kind of fine-tuned my basics, but I've always had a little bit of a flair of playing a little differently. I play for a way that kind of works for me, probably doesn't work for others, um, maybe it does, but um, I think that's the thing with golf is there's so many different ways to play it. It's always been very cookie cutter, um, <laughs> and I'm trying to show that you can get the job done in multiple different ways. I just enjoy being out there now, but um, it worked for me when I was playing tournaments. It's kind of, I have my cues that work for me, and that's why I did it, so. And would you call that slinging hook shot perhaps your favorite? Yeah, I mean, that's a safety blanket for me. People look at me like I'm crazy, and for me, it's like, I know where my miss is going to go. If I'm going to hook a golf ball, my miss is generally going to be right. So right. if there's water right, don't hook it. If there's water left, I'm hooking it. Well, so. the funny thing, too, is we, we played around a round of golf together in Los Angeles back in February, and you generally hit a cut off the tee with a driver, that's correct? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cut with the driver pretty much nine times out of ten. If the wind's off the left, then I love drawing it. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's all, it's all face. I call it my safety slice off the tee and then I'm generally a hook with the irons. So it's a little bit, a little bit backwards, but 
it's just something that it's always felt comfortable for me. And Tiger Woods, you know, he was really the, the he started the stinger, if you will. And you have a different shot with a fairway metal where you teed up a little high and sting that. Is, is there a name for that? Uh, I don't really have a name for it, okay. but it's my, it's like by far my favorite. Okay. Kind of go-to shot just because it's uh, um, so many different variety of flights right. I can put on it. Okay. And as someone who is creative, I like to see different flight windows. Okay. So the high T allows me to do that. Well, I've been watching your feet a lot. I've been trying to learn from your feet and you know, I, I'm a decent golfer. I'm about a three handicap. You're a good golfer. But, but I want to I wanna learn some of these shots. Sure. What do you say we go to the range and you teach me how to hit some of these shots? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, pretty fun to see. I've seen you hit the stinger. I feel like the high tee is going to even bring that new element for you. So let's do it. Cool. Really enjoyed my time there uh, with Mac. And now Mac has been in a number of different videos with Micah Morris, who between YouTube and Instagram has over 700 thousand subscribers and he received an exemption to play in pga tour canada's osprey valley open and i had a chance to speak with micah morris about getting that exemption and about how he's become as big as he currently is now here is my conversation with micah morris micah welcome to the show thank you for having me um this is really cool yeah i'm excited for this Cool. Well, we're having you on the show because you've received an exemption into the Osprey Valley Open on PGA Tour Canada. First of all, how did that all come to be? Um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely wild. It still doesn't quite feel real. Um, I, it's actually been my kind of one of my goals. I think I think I actually wrote it down at the beginning of the year was to get a sponsor's exemption into in like a big event. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but um, it's just been something that I've talked to my team about. Um, and I think just through mutual connections from my agent, Joe, um, the, the Osprey Valley reached out and they presented the opportunity and they kind of wanted to, they asked for kind of a content strategy around how we could, you know, help promote the tournament, the golf courses. And so we put something together and uh, we sent it back to them and they accepted it and honestly it just feels really cool i mean being a youtuber being someone who is you know i am aspiring to play golf at the highest level this has been it's been quite the journey into to now like be stepping into this and and having a sponsorship exemption into a big event just it feels awesome and i feel extremely thankful for the opportunity that's great man now, i know you were in calgary a couple of weeks ago have you been to the mm -hmm. golf course here or have you been in the toronto area before uh, not Toronto. No, I, I was in Calgary, um, played Mickelson national, um, and just, I mean, incredible time. The golf course was amazing and even made it over to Banff Springs and what, what an experience. I mean, I love the golf there and I love like cooler weather. So that was a plus too. Yeah, totally. Now I know you were there with uh, Mac Boucher as well, who we had on our show about three weeks ago or so. Uh, what's your relationship <laughs> like with him? Uh, another fellow uh, now YouTuber and overall yeah. a big influencer on social. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when he started on Instagram, I remember like seeing his stuff and he was growing really quickly and we started following each other. And I can't remember exactly when the first time, actually the first time I met him was like in person was about um, a little over a month ago at a place called Purcell Farms. Um, and that was my first time meeting him, you know, in person. And I mean, just an incredible guy. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. He's just, 
he's super authentic and he just does what he loves and he doesn't really care what people think. And I think that's one thing that just like, I really like about him and just, just a really, really cool guy. And he's very talented and hits some crazy golf shots. <laughs> he, did he show you how to hit that little slinger? Cause he showed me and I, I I'm, I'm a three handicap. I'm nowhere near that. The level you guys are, but <laughs> to pull off that slinger, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a good shot to have on the course. Has he showed you how to hit the same shot? Um, yeah, I mean, he's walked me through it and I've watched him hit it so many times and I, I just like the, uh, the, his ability to, to create just what he does with his hands at, in, at the bottom of the golf swing is just, it's unmatched. And it was actually, we played in the Mickelson Invitational together and there was a three hole stretch and I don't think anybody had it on film, but there's a three hole stretches, the three hardest holes on the golf course. Um, and he played those three holes using driver only um he played a par three a par four and another par four and it was i mean i don't know anybody else who could do that he's just so talented yeah he's uh he's a lot of fun to watch uh watch that's for sure now uh you mentioned you're a youtuber and for those who maybe haven't seen you on social or haven't heard of you you have you know over three hundred thousand followers on instagram four hundred and fifty thousand youtube subscribers how did this all get started for you um well first off i never really imagined myself being a youtuber um when I started on social media, it was just on Instagram. It was in 2015 and me and my cousin Garrett started an account called GM golf. It was Garrett Micah golf at the time. And we just started doing trick shots on Instagram and it was just purely for fun. And it started to grow. There was like, it started to get a little bit of traction. Um, and then it, you know, that was probably did that for about a year. And then I finished college and ended up moving away and kept pursuing golf. Like I just, I knew that I wanted to play golf. Um, and so I moved away for a couple of years and then Garrett kind of got into the YouTube space, you know, continued to grow. And so in the, so just the social media golf. Um, and then he actually asked me to come back and, and join him on the YouTube channel, which is now known as GM golf. It always has been, but, um, so I did that for, um, a couple of years and just had a ton of fun, growing with him um and then ended up starting my own channel um it's been it was august of 2020 i think it was when i posted my first youtube video on my channel and didn't really know what it would become i just knew that i was passionate about golf and i was passionate about you know competing and so i just put out content um we started a business i was i was with a business called good good for a couple years, um, had a great time, learned a lot, grew a ton in, you know, just <clears throat> a lot of areas and ended up stepping away from that to just going back on my own. And now, I mean, a couple years of doing YouTube and at, just had so much fun with it and just kind of documenting my process of learning how to get better at golf and, and hopefully, you know, continuing to do that and taking it to the highest level that I can be. And, I don't know exactly what that is yet, but I, you know, fully intend to find out and whatever level it does take me to. Um, I've always said that it's just, it's, it's more about who you become on the journey than it is like the destination. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I just, I love what I do. Oh, that's, that's very well said. So a, a big part now that you have this reach, this audience is you have equipment <clears throat> companies reach out and say, Hey, want, we want mm -hmm. you using our product. 
And that's where TaylorMade comes into play. Now, TaylorMade is a sponsor of our show as well. How meaningful has your relationship with TaylorMade been? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, probably one of the coolest things is when I when when I was in college, I had a one of the M2 drivers, and I hit it for probably four years. I could not get rid of it. And like when I started YouTube, it was the only driver that I used, and it was it was truly incredible. <clears throat> and I I didn't really ever know if a partnership with TaylorMade would be possible because obviously they're one of the biggest in the world. They have Tiger Roy, like they it's just, it's a massive company. And so it was kind of, <clears throat> it was always a dream, you know, to be with TaylorMade. And then it was about kind of rounding out last year, the conversation started and it was just like, it was pretty like surreal, honestly, to, to even just like started that conversation. And then we walked through how it would look and what it would look like. And, you know, we <clears throat> found something that worked for both of us and, it's it's been so much fun. The they, the people at TaylorMade are really really cool. They have been. I feel like they've just went to great lengths to make sure that I have what I need and everything that I have is the best for me in order to help me get better. And it's been really cool. And I think that you know even just to eventually hopefully get access to some of the players and do some videos with them. And one of my one of my dreams is to do a, a long drive contest against Rory. So. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I've, I've talked to him and just, it's just really neat. Like to think of going from, you know, starting out on social media and just doing things that were, you just never really think it's going to happen until it happens. And then, you know, it's here and I'm getting to experience things that I never thought I would. So it's really cool. Well, you mentioned the long drive there with Rory. Now, to give our audience a bit of a behind the scenes here. So when we shot our TaylorMade product special this past January, you were actually there the day before. And when we were speaking with Trotty and some of the guys there at the Kingdom, which is golf paradise, as you know, mm -hmm. they had you yeah. lining up diagonally on the range so your balls <laughs> would actually stay on the property. Is it? Do I, do I have that right? <laughs> yeah, it was... So I hit a couple balls and then Trotty looks at me and he goes, I think we're going to have to rearrange this. And so we, <laughs> we had to go back and far into like <clears throat> the left corner. And then we were hitting all the way to the right corner. And I think I was still hitting some of them like over the fence, which I think there's a road back there, but it was pretty fun. I mean, Trotty got me so dialed with my driver and, you know, got me in a combination that just, it's an absolute rocket launcher, but yeah, it, it I was hitting it pretty far. <laughs> and that's the TaylorMade stealth too and all the products there yeah. with uh with TaylorMade. Mm -hmm. Now getting back mm -hmm. to next week at the Osprey Valley Open. Uh how <laughs> is your preparation going? How is the game feeling right now? Uh it feels good. I have uh I've played some really good rounds off camera. Um I've actually spent a lot of time with my coach Jeff Leachman um just <clears throat> really creating a plan um, to be able to go into the event knowing that I'm as prepared as I can be, um, looking at the golf course, kind of breaking it down to figure out how to fit, you know, make it fit my game as best as possible. And, and yeah, I think just creating a plan and then sticking to that plan, you know, every day that I play is going to be very important for me and, and not getting ahead of myself. Uh, my, my caddy, who's going to be with me, Austin Vilner, He's caddied for me in a lot of events when I lived in Texas. And I think the biggest thing is I just want to go out there and have fun. I want to make the most of this opportunity. I want to learn as much as I can. Um, and 
I'm just very excited. I feel like it's a, it's a really cool step for me in my golf career. And I think the experience that I'm going to get from it is, you know, it's priceless. <clears throat> Certainly going to be priceless and something you'll never forget. And hopefully it leads to more opportunities like this. Micah, thanks so much for your time today and all the best at the Osprey Valley Open. Absolutely. Thank you guys. And uh, I really appreciate it. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Welcome back inside our August long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio well 20 weeks of tailor-made is continuing throughout the summer here on gtc just a couple of weeks left all you have to do golftalkcanada.com hit the 20 weeks of tailor-made tab sign up for the fantasy pool it's free this season we're giving away over forty thousand dollars in tailor-made products your chance to win 20 weeks of tailor-made just a couple of weeks left in our season. It's gone by way too quickly, as it always does in the summer. Well, it's been a fun hour one of our best of edition. Coming up in hour two, we're going to hear from a couple of recent winners on PGA Tour Canada, Stuart McDonald and Davis Shore. Also a conversation with Ryan Paul, who's the tournament director of the CPKC Women's Open, which is now just a couple of weeks away, too, in Shaughnessy, which is one of the great tracks in all of Canada, out in Vancouver. So really looking forward to that. And we'll play one of our recent winners, Weird and What's, as well. All of that and so much more coming up in hour two right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Today, of course, is our August long weekend best of edition of the show. In our second hour here, we'll have a winner's weird and what from a recent show. We'll go one-on-one -on -one with Ryan Paul, the CPKC Women's Open Tournament Director. And in this segment, we're going to hear from a couple of recent winners on PGA Tour Canada, starting with Stuart McDonald, who won the Ottawa Open 
on July 23rd. Stuart McDonald, who now joins us on the line after winning in a four-hole playoff at the Ottawa Open. Stuart, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so walk us through what the playoff was like to get that victory. Uh, yeah, it was exciting. Uh, four holes. We played 18 twice, went to nine, and then played 18 again. Um, started out with three of us, and um, luckily I was the last one standing. And, um, yeah, made a couple birdies on the first two playoff holes on 18. Um, also made birdie in regulation on 18 to get into the playoff. Um, on the third playoff hole, I, I hit it tight. I had, like, about a six, six-footer on – on hole nine to, to steal a deal and, and lift out, didn't get it done there, but um, was able to get it done on the, on the fourth try on 18. So, yeah, pretty thrilled about it. Hey, students, Bob Weeks here, and good to hear from you, and congratulations. What does it mean for you to get that win, your, your first PGA Tour-sanctioned win on Canadian soil? Yeah, it means a lot. Um, it means a lot. Like, you know, winning, winning mini-tour events, it, it, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a lot, but it it just doesn't mean nearly as much, really. Uh, it doesn't advance your career like like winning a sanctioned tour event uh, does. So, um, yeah, no, it means a lot. It's the biggest win of my career, I would say. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was an amazing week. Well, we mentioned four playoff holes. By the time it was all said and done, what was the daylight situation like? <laughs> it was getting late. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was starting to get there. Uh, I was thinking... <laughs> You know, of course, I'm thinking worst case, worst case scenario. But um, I was like, geez, like that would really suck to have to come back Monday morning to finish a playoff hole. We better get this done at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was getting dark. Now I know you've been uh, I know you've been playing in in uh, Latino America tour, and you've played up here obviously before. But uh, what's what's your schedule been like this year leading into this win? Um, yeah, it's been a lot of travel for me. Uh, I played eight events on the Latin America tour. Um, so obviously a lot of travel and, you know, I'm playing South America. Um, and then this is my second, uh, second PGA tour Canada event. Uh, obviously I played one PGA tour event, RBC, um, one corn Ferry event. So I've been, I've been, uh, covering a lot of ground the last, the last six months. Um, but I'll, I'll be finishing out, uh, likely finishing out the season here. Um, on the on PGA Tour Canada and um, going from there. Well, you talked about the 18th hole and your birdies. You know, your three birdies in the playoff, birdie in regulation. You go to the ninth hole, you miss a birdie putt. This sounds a lot like Nick Taylor's win at the RBC Canadian Open. Stu, what do you remember from uh, from that week and how special it was to see a fellow Canadian get it done on the PGA Tour in that way? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, just unbelievable. I can't even imagine... Uh, how Nick was feeling after he saw that putt go on 18. Um, and I had a, I had a similar length putt in regulation on 18. And I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> this would be very Nick Taylor asking if I could roll in the 70 footer to, to seal the deal. But, um, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was amazing for Nick to watch. And that was a really cool week for sure. You know, at the Canadian open this year, prior to that moment, it was a little calmer. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Maybe I was talking with, a couple of Canadian guys, and, and um, the question turned to who's going to be the next Canadian to, to, to make a move and get up onto the PGA Tour and do that. We know Ben Silverman's going to be up there next year, but the, the names that they all mentioned was yours. And 
And how oh, yeah. do you how do you feel about where you are right now with your career and and the next step or, or the steps that it'll take you to get to the PGA Tour? Yeah, I just think I just keep on trending, uh, just getting a little better every year. Um, I think I've had a lot of really good experiences here. Experiences this year, um, you know, I've had a lot of chances to win. Uh, just been there on the backside on Sunday a few times this year, and I've learned a lot. I haven't gotten it done in the past, um, but just learned a lot um, just through, yeah, you know, just putting myself in the situation. So, um, yeah, I like where I'm at. I, I, you know, like I said, I just keep on getting a little better every day, every year. And, um, you know, if we stay on that track, I, you know, I think I like where we're headed. We're with Stuart McDonald, PGA Tour Canada, Ottawa Open winner. And whenever we have the winners from PGA Tour Canada on the show, I always ask what it's like when they pull out the phone for the first time after the victory, see some of the calls, texts they've received. But uh, you received uh, or you called your your wife, Carly, and I know it's a very exciting time here for you and your wife. You're going forward with a baby on the way. What was that conversation like? Uh, Yeah, she was she was uh, she was crying when I called her. I think she just she knows how much how much it means to to me and her. You know, she's she's seen it all. She's seen the she's seen the good times and the and the tough times. And yeah, I think she just knows how hard it is um, to win and you know just to be you know in a generally stable mindset playing golf. Uh, but she was super happy and um, yeah, she was thrilled. Uh, you described in in the post round press conference. You said that you used the description. She's very pregnant. <laughs> How, yeah. how will that uh, impact your uh, tour schedule for the next little while? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, due, due date's in four weeks. Um, so we got two more next uh, playing the next two weeks, and then we have two weeks off. So the baby's scheduled to come in those two weeks off. So that would be, if that happened, uh, that would be ideal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we'll see if we can arrange that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, yeah, just on kind of on call until then. <laughs> No, totally. And, you know, with this win, you move from 124th to 6th in the Fortinet Cup standing. So, I mean, obviously you've got this very exciting personal time coming up here. But how does this victory change your expectations solely on the golf course here as we move ahead for the rest of the summer? Yeah, you know, I wasn't really – I don't think I was planning on playing um, a full season up here. I just wanted to play a few events. Um, but obviously now that I've won, I'm kind of in a situation where – Obviously, that top five is going to be really attainable. Um, so, yeah, gonna gonna stick it out playing on this tour for the rest of the summer, I think. And um, obviously, that yeah, that top five spot's looking good. So, um, just gonna keep going for that. There you go. Well, Stuart, uh, congratulations not only on the win but the baby on the way. That's just so exciting. For you, congratulations on the dub. Enjoy, and hopefully we'll have you on again later in the season if you pick up another victory on PGA Tour Canada. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Cheers. That was Stuart McDonald, the latest champion on PGA Tour Canada. Great story. Always really enjoy having the winners on PGA Tour Canada on our show the day after their big victory. So congratulations, Stuart McDonald, on his W. The next week on PGA Tour Canada, the Osprey Valley Open, where Davis Shore came out on top. Here's our conversation with Davis Shore. 
Davis Shore wins for the first time on PGA Tour Canada, a one-shot victory. He now joins us on the line. Davis, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Hey, guys. How's it going? We are great, but not as good as you. Congratulations on the victory, man. Take us through your performance. What went right for you throughout the week? Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, TPC Toronto is an unbelievable track. Um, and the condition of the golf course was just perfect. So, you know, I had a good feeling even just starting the week playing practice rounds. Um, you know, I played the event last year, and, uh, you know, I kind of I had a good feeling just because was, it was already one I marked on the calendar, one of my favorite um, golf courses I play all year. So I had a really good feeling starting the week. Davis, huge eagle coming down the stretch at 14. You get it to 19 under, you end up winning by one. Did you have a number? in your head that you thought you had to get to? Were you were you thinking that far ahead? Because that can also be a trap door, or were you just going one shot at a time? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you do just try to play one shot at a time. But, you know, even before the day started, I kind of had in my head if I can get it to 20 under or beyond that, um, you know, I was going to be safe. I didn't, I didn't really think uh, there was really anybody out there. Or, you know, if I got to 20 under, I, I felt like someone was going to shoot the round of the tournament to beat me, you know. So uh, that was kind of what I had in mind. And, yeah, that eagle got me to 20 under. Um, so that was that was huge uh, just because the wind was starting to, to pick up at that point. A little bit of a front kind of kind of came through, and it, it cooled off a little and got a cold north wind blowing there um, in our face. So, like, those holes coming in were not playing easy. You mentioned it right there with the, the weather, and we've had a bit of a strange summer here in the Toronto, greater Toronto area, where uh, it's either been really warm, it's sometimes been a little chilly, sometimes we've seen a lot of rain, thunder, electricity. I know you had to battle through a couple of different delays, the elements. What's that like for you as you're looking for your first win on PGA Tour Canada? Yeah, well, we actually got a little bit fortunate um... You know, we had quite a quite a few delays on on Saturday, but when we actually played in the later afternoon, the weather was was pretty nice there. So uh, the course was wet, but the the staff did a great job of of getting the golf course in uh, in shape for us to play. It still played like really really nice, uh, even though there was a lot of rain there. Um, I guess that was Saturday morning. So yeah, it, it really ended up being okay when we actually played. We're on the golf course. Uh, the you know it, we stayed dry and. Uh, and the conditions were great. I actually liked that little bit of a cool breeze. It felt good. I, I live down in South Florida now, and it's, it's pretty hot this time of year. So that that north wind kind of is, is, a, is a welcome feeling for me right now. We're with Davis Shore, our latest winner on PGA Tour Canada. He got it done at TPC Osprey Valley, TPC Toronto, uh, yesterday, 19 under par. What a huge move, Davis. 88 spots in the chase for the Fortnite Cup, now projecting, moving into the sixth spot, we know that, you know, the top of the food chain is kind of where you want to be, certainly top five. I'm looking back at your schedule, man, you, you've played in a lot of different countries this year. Uh, nice little finish in March and, and April. Uh, I'm assuming that's PGA Tour Latino America, where you went T4 and second. And then recently, not being able to create that form. So what happened this week? Did you feel this coming or... Maybe you can just give an idea to our listeners of how thin the line is from a T40 or a T25 to going out and winning. I mean, everybody out there can play, and it's it's a shot here and a shot there, or maybe just one thought sometimes. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, no, I had a good stretch there, kind of in the middle of the season on, on Latin American Tour. Um, definitely boosted my confidence a little bit. Um, and I actually I actually had a one good tournament in Colombia uh, that I ended up not having to finish. I got into the final group, uh, and then I had a poor final round, so the, the finish didn't really reflect. I was actually kind of in contention, um, you know, until Sunday. But I think I learned a lot uh, just from being in the final group there and, and – having a poor round i think you know kind of drew from that experience like okay you know we're gonna learn from that and then we're gonna kind of feel more comfortable next time in that position but um yeah i mean i had a couple of my last couple weeks i've had a couple you know kind of 25th sort of place finishes where i actually really played really well just didn't didn't putt very well um and I kind of kind of figured some stuff out with my putting, and that, that was a big difference. I had, like, my best putting round all year on Friday of this week, uh, and that boosted my confidence a lot. And, you know, like you said, the line is fine. I mean, everybody on on this tour, you know, hits it great. Um, so it's really just very um, small details that you have to pay attention to, right? Who can get hot with the putter? Who can avoid the mistakes that kill your momentum? You know, that's the difference. Yeah, certainly is. Now, obviously, it was a big, big day for you. But how about your former college teammate, too, Lee Hodges? You guys win on the same day. What's it like for you to see your former teammate also get it done? It's just awesome. I mean, it was a big day for Alabama golf. Uh, I know our our coach was just thrilled, you know. Uh, I got a lot of texts about it from, you know, teammates and uh coaches and yeah i mean it, it was just really cool and, and i learned a lot from the you i played with him i mean he's like such a good um and an awesome guy as well uh so yeah that was cool and i saw they you know they asked him about it in the press conference after after he played that was a pretty special moment to hear him talk about me and everything right after he had just had his big day you know that, i don't know that just it's no alarm um and yeah, I mean, he was a guy I looked up to for sure. Being a senior when I first got to school, like, and being an incredible player, so I, I feel like I learned a lot from his game in that year. And uh, it's just cool to see now having success on the PJ Tour and kind of knowing where I stack up against that gives you a lot of confidence. Oh, it must give you a ton of confidence. Now, uh, before we let you go, I always love to ask the winners on PGA Tour Canada this question. So you, you go on, you win the tournament, you win by one shot, you you hug the caddy, have you know the media conference, everything, the works, and then you pull out your phone. What was the reaction like from friends and family looking at your phone for the first time after tapping in for the dub? Oh, man, yeah, I had so many messages. I mean, it probably took me like, three hours to go through everything you know <laughs> last night and the end of this morning you know just between uh all the messages and you know there was social media all that stuff uh it's pretty cool just to see how many people out there rooting me on um because you know we golf is a, can be a little bit of a lonely sport sometimes we're out here on the road by ourselves and uh it's easy to forget how many people are rooting for you and how and how many people are watching what you're doing so it just means a lot um to see all of that and like i have like great friends and family around me and that's that's uh yeah it just all the love and support coming in after the win was pretty cool to see well that's awesome man well hey you moved up to sixth in the Fortinet cup standings now you got a big stretch ahead of you on pga tour canada davis congratulations on a life-changing win for you and who knows maybe if you win again this season we'll have you back on the show to debrief yet another w thanks for your time Yes, sir. Thank you.
This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside our August long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Well, in a couple weeks time, it's the CPKC Women's Open at Shaughnessy. It's one of the great courses in Canada. And for a full preview of what we can expect that week at Shaughnessy, I had a chance to chat with tournament director, Ryan Paul. Ryan, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, Adam. The, uh, the new name is still, uh, still getting used to it. CPKC women's open, but, uh, excited to be, uh, to be back in Vancouver. Totally. So tournament time just around the corner. How are preparations going with the tournament just a couple weeks away? Yeah, well, the uh, build has begun and trucks and staff are coming in fast into into Shaughnessy. Uh, the course, uh, we were there on July 10th for media day and the, the conditions is, is unbelievable. It's uh, it's such a great golf course, such a tough golf course. Uh, just how fast those greens are running and uh, and the rough will just eat up your balls if uh, if the trees aren't going to knock them down before. So it's uh, it's going to be a great test of golf, but we're we're very excited. So this is the first time in this tournament's history that Shaughnessy is hosting this event. We've seen Shaughnessy host Canadian Opens on the men's side in the past, but how is it selected as the host this time around for the Women's Open? We're we're very excited. Uh, we're looking back at the stats that this is Shaughnessy will now be the first club, the only club in the last 20 years to have hosted both the RBC Canadian Open and the CPKC Women's Open and, and one of two this century, which is uh, which is just unbelievable. And when we had Brooke Henderson and Paul Arito up, up for media day earlier this month, uh, just listening to them talk about how important it is for that for the men and the women to be playing the same courses. Now, granted, they were just coming up from Pebble Beach, so it was all front and center. But just having that venue that can host and that is is happy to host both the men's and the women's games just shows a testament to the type of golf course that Shaughnessy is and uh and the excitement's growing well you mentioned her right there Brooke Henderson she'll be the headliner for obvious reasons she is the winningest Canadian professional golfer uh what's it like for you as the tournament director to see the continued success that Brooke Henderson continues to have on the LPGA tour well, it, it makes uh, it makes our job easy selling the tickets when we have uh, Brooke Henderson in the field, and she really she really is that kind of needle mover. Where um, the attendance that she draws is just remarkable from fans of all ages, especially the kids. When you you see them coming out and they're now wearing the same hats and they're wearing shirts that have all the same logos that she has, like I don't know where they're getting them from, but they're dressing just like her and they're they're watching her swing, watching her play. It's uh, it's unbelievable, and uh, not even a great athlete that Brooke is, but also a great ambassador to Canadian golf and a person that she is that she'll spend more time signing autographs and talking to fans after the round than she did playing the round. Um, so to have someone like her in the field is, is great. In addition to all, all the top players that we have come to the CPKC women's open each year. I was just going to ask you right there. So obviously Brooke Henderson, like I mentioned is headlining, but tell us about some of the other names who have uh, early commitment uh, to this year's tournament. Yeah, well, we have uh Current commitments and early commitments, we have nine of the top 10 in the world golf rankings, which is which is unbelievable. We have 21 of the top 25 on the CME 
uh, Globe uh, money list, which is which is great. Rose Zhang is uh, she is drawing a lot of eyeballs, and she's going to be a huge draw as well. And if if we get Brooke Henderson, Rose Zhang in the same grouping, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty pretty wild following following that group. But uh, the list goes on and on. Lydia Ko, who's a three time champion, she's won the last two events that we've had in Vancouver, so she's doing the uh, looking for the Vancouver three peat. Nelly Corda, uh, the list goes on, and then one name that. I think it's going to be fun to watch Victoria Liu. She won the Glencoe Invitational. Uh, so she earned a, a spot into the field that way. She's also a Shaughnessy member. So a little bit of a home course uh, advantage for her uh, come mid-August. So obviously what happened at Oakdale back in June is something that will quite frankly be hard to top for the rest of Canadian golf history because of its significance. But have you had a chance to maybe catch up with Brian Crawford, RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director, about some things that went right that week that you can apply this time around at Shaughnessy? Yeah, Brian, Brian and I are good friends, and we we certainly bounce a lot of ideas off of each other. I don't know if, if I'll get lucky enough to, uh, to replicate a Canadian hitting a 72-foot putt <laughs> on the fourth playoff hole to win, but uh, if we can, that would be uh, that'd be quite incredible. But no, it's uh, having both our Opens grow the way they have has just been incredible for the sport, and and uh, for someone like me who's been involved since 2007, just, just remarkable to watch that growth. Uh, for the CPKC Women's Open this year, our build is the is the largest build ever, and I know Brian and I have both been saying that each and every year it feels like. But seventy five thousand square feet of uh, of build for this year, which is fifteen percent larger than what we had in Ottawa. Our hospitality has grown fifteen percent more than what we had in Ottawa, and really those build sizes are passing the RBC Canadian Opens when we were in Abbey in fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. So just to see us grow that much is is incredible, and it shows. The, the fans that are willing to come out and watch and, and support our game and, and the partners that are getting behind this tournament as well. So you mentioned the build out like that. I understand the purse size is really increased as well. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so we're, our purse is at uh, 2.5 million, which uh, we've had an increase this year from CPKC and always happy to see our, our purse grow and you know the players have been behind it and supporting that. So that's been, that's been great. And really that's one of the main drivers to the field that we get each and every year, but it's also the other things that CPKC does uh, you know, outside of that purse where it's the hospitality and the, the experience inside the food that they serve, uh, the gifting, just the way that they treat the players and even the caddies now too, with the level of caddy lounge, that's uh, been award-winning for us has been um has been remarkable in helping us you know, obtain a, uh, a great field. So Ryan, one of the cool things we've seen at the RBC Canadian Open is the rink. And rumor has it the rink is now making its way to the CPKC Women's Open 2. Tell us about that. Yeah, the rumors are true. The, uh, the rink now at both the RBC Canadian Open and the CPKC Women's Open uh, coming out to Vancouver. And it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We had, uh, we had a lot of success in Ottawa last year. I'll say... The first couple of days, uh, you know, the LPGA is a very international based tournament and there's maybe a few players walking into the rink, not knowing what the rink was all about and listening to fans bang on the boards like, no, 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 you got to keep it down. But by the end of the week, everyone, uh, everyone got it and was very supportive. We had Brooke Henderson wearing a Sens jersey, Nellie Corda put on a Blackhawks jersey, Elena and Lori Kane had the Leafs jerseys on. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, I think the players are, are excited and we're going to see a lot more bringing their uh, hometown jerseys out to support and We'll see if we can get a few connect jerseys on uh, on some of the players. So the big build out, the big purse, a great list of fields so far. But for any event to go on of this, this magnitude, volunteers play such a critical factor. Do you know how many volunteers will be involved and how important will they be uh, in Shaughnessy at the end of August? 
we're we're going to have 1200 volunteers that are uh, going to make this event happen wow. it's, it's it's always astonishing at the beginning of the year to say we need 1200 volunteers and so how are we going to get that number and, and we always get there we have a strong volunteer base in canada and wherever we go if it's you know ottawa or when we were at magna and now um now in Vancouver, Calgary next year, that we we always get a strong volunteer base and ones that follow us around the country. I think we have volunteers coming from five different provinces to Vancouver this year to to be part of the event, which is uh, which is crazy to see, and one territory um, coming out of Yukon. But uh, it, it's great, and they're they're passionate, they're supportive, they they get behind the event like like no other, and they're the best ambassadors we have. Well, the best LPGA players in the world will be playing one of the best Canadian tracks at Shaughnessy. Ryan, it's going to be an exciting time. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and we'll talk to you again closer to tournament time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside our August long weekend best of edition of GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, it's that time in the show where we generally have winners weird and what. So we're going to do it again. Here's one of our more recent additions of 3-Dub. And at this particular occasion, Mark, have a tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Adam, my winner this week is the PGA Tour for pushing back on the proposed modified local rule being suggested by the USGA and RNA to roll back the golf ball. This is what was in the player's memo. Uh, we have spent the last two years undertaking a, uh, a comprehensive analysis of distance on the PGA Tour and its impact. Although there is some level of support limiting future increases, uh, the widespread and significant belief for the proposal of the modified local rule we believe is not warranted and not in the best interest of the game. Uh, following multiple discussions, we have notified the USGA and RNA that while the PGA Tour is committed to collaborating with them and industry partners to arrive at a solution that best serves the players, the fans, and the game, we are not able to support the current local rule as proposed. And now that the feedback is coming to an end, uh, and the process evolves, we'll be in touch with future updates. Uh, again, this is ridiculous. To want to roll back the golf ball under this new measuring technique that they want to apply would eliminate most of the golf balls on the shelves in your pro shop, at your retailer. It also significantly punishes players that hit it further versus the players that don't hit it far enough. So in other words how they measure it and the system they're using penalizes you more in distance the further you hit it. In other words, if you hit it 260 right now, you might just find a 10-year yard. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just you know going on my own here, but I'm just trying to put it in layman's terms for our audience that under the current proposal, if you hit it like 260, you might find like a 10-yard 
difference. But if you hit it 320, you could find a 30-yard difference. So it's not proportionate in, is what I'm trying to suggest. I always said from day one, Adam, that I believe that this debate would end the same place the driver debate ended. Guys, this is the ceiling. We can't go further. We're not going to go backwards, but we can't go further. And they did it, and uh, they capped MOI, and they capped spring-like effect. It's uh, spring-like uh, COR is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the face of drivers. In other words, trampoline effect. They ca capped trampoline effect in drivers. I think they're going to cap the golf ball. This is where it's going to land. Where are you at on this, Adam? I, I mean, it's hard not to totally agree with everything you're saying, given like from a consumer perspective, why would these companies make a golf ball just for the PGA Tour, for the best in the world? And then why would someone like you know, your average Saturday morning 12 handicap go and say, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy a golf ball that flies 15 yards shorter. The game's hard enough as it is. We want to hit the ball as far as possible. This just makes absolutely no sense. Good for the PGA Tour for rejecting what has come. Uh, curious to see what we see uh, going forward. And players have supported this and applauded this. Tony Finau, one of them coming out this weekend at the 3M, saying, I've always believed we should add our, have our own rules and, and, and stop allowing the USGA and RNA, et cetera, to dictate this. And I would just like to add this. The arrogance of the USGA and RNA to, to try to do this, to pull them off the shelves, to suggest that everything you've produced in the last 25, 30 years is, and all the R&D and all the money spent is now obsolete. And now you also have to pay for this new ball. I find that extremely, extremely arrogant on their behalf. Okay. Uh, my Our weird this week is the Blundies. Uh, everybody knows the famous Blundie family of Ledge Meadows Golf Course in Grand Ledge, Michigan. Tony Blundie, of course, uh, the husband and Janet Blundie. Of course, you don't know who it is. But guess what, Adam? This is bizarre. Tony Blundy stands up on a 135-yard par 3 with a 7-iron, makes a hole-in-one. Janet says, I'm not willing to concede this hole. Goes up to the forward tee, 110 yards, hole-in-one. On the same hole, the same day, in the same head-to-head -head husband and wife match, the odds, Adam, 26 Million to one, according to uh, some odds makers. No, according to the National Hole-in-One Association, 26 million to one. I mean, how come this stuff doesn't happen to you and I? <laughs> I mean, just you wait. Thursday, August 10th, Toronto Hunt Club. We're going to make history 26 million to one. That, that's remarkable. That's just something that you quite literally very likely will never see in your life. So this is, uh, this is something that this, the Blundies as everyone now knows them as, will uh, they'll never forget that moment. And, and my what this week is simply, uh, what would you rather have Adam, in, in Adam Skelly world? So mm. I, I was just kind of, you know, combing social media this week, and, and I saw that there's a, a mansion in Ohio for sale. They did a replica of, uh, based their house really as a replica or certainly a nod to the clubhouse at Augusta National, and it has Augusta National spec green in the backyard. So that's for sale. Patrick Mahomes is completing his dream home, which is worth a gazillion dollars. You can imagine what that looks like. It has a par three in the, in the backyard. 
And then in Vermont, Adam, for 7000 Canadian a night on Airbnb in Vermont, you can rent a house that has its own par three golf course in the backyard. You can Airbnb this $7,000 a night, sleeps up to like 20 people apparently. So if you could pick one, what does Adam Scully want? Does he want to live in the Augusta clubhouse? Does he want the par three in the backyard with the Mahomes mansion? Or does he want his own nine hole Airbnb? I feel like and it's a great question. First of all, these three answers are just, just you know, it's, it's hard not to, you know. I, I think the Mahomes Mansion, because, yeah, it's got all the, the golf stuff, which is awesome. I, I would love to, you know, hone on my short game because, boy, oh, boy, it does need the help. But, you know, everything else included, I'm sure, you know, there's probably a luxury gym. There's probably a tennis court. There's probably everything. There's probably a 9,000-inch TV in there, too. It would be absolute paradise. I'm going for the Mahomes Mansion. What are you going with? I'm doing the Mahomes Mansion as well because I'm thinking the same thing, Adam. I'm thinking this is his dream home with the with the dough that Mahomes has. I'm thinking everything that comes along with it must be outstanding. And this story reminds me of Ian Poulter. Before oh. you, before I throw you the tea, Ian Poulter lives on the 18th hole at Lake Nona Golf Club in Orlando, Florida. Beautiful home facing the 18th fairway, facing Lake Nona. But Ian Poulter also owns the lot next door and has built a replica of his house. Only the difference with this house is it's mainly glass and it is a garage for his luxury car collection oh. of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Austin Martins, etc. that also overlook the 18th hole at Lake Nona. All right, Adam, <laughs> the T is yours, sir. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Okay, my winner this week goes to a story that I believe you and Bob spoke about on Wednesday's show. One of the great uh, stories we've seen in terms of Monday qualifying, Eric Van Royen's caddy, Alex Gaugert, who Monday qualified for the 3M Open. Now we know, you know, some caddies on the PGA Tour Maybe they don't golf as much. Maybe they're world-class players. Well, clearly, Alex is definitely a world-class player. But the really cool thing that the PGA Tour did, they paired the guys together, which I thought was awesome to have, you know, for them to realize what was happening, pair these guys together, have some fun. Both, unfortunately, missed the cut. But, Mark, you're there week in, week out on the PGA Tour. This is just a really cool story. It's a great story. There's so many caddies that are exceptional players. Uh, Alex went with Eric for three years to the University of Minnesota. So they were gophers. So uh, ties to the Minnesota golf community for both of them. Very cool story. Love what the tour did, put them together. We actually had them uh, on TSN Plus in the PGA Tour live coverage on Thursday and Friday. We actually had them in the window playing together, which was very cool. And we were covering some of it for radio as well. So pretty good story. And, I mean, the level of play for some of the caddies, some of them are just, you know, loopers for life. But yeah. a lot of them are guys that used to play very high level that just, you know, couldn't, couldn't break through. And, obviously, Alex, one of them. 
Yeah, well, he's one of them. And I, I remember Jordan Spieth telling a story once how he plays a lot of golf with Michael Greller, his caddy. And Michael Greller always keeps Jordan sort of at an even keel, which as much as you can with Jordan, because, you know, he talks to every golf shot he ever hits. But apparently uh, Spieth has told the story that Greller is just a loose cannon when he actually plays himself on the golf course in terms of temper tantrums, that sort of thing. So it's so funny how it all works out uh, for these uh, these caddies. Okay, my weird this week goes to... A pretty cool shot we actually saw by Nick Hardy, who was behind a tree and basically said, you know what, I know my, my club is going to break here on the follow through. Hits the shot to probably 12 feet at the most, makes the birdie putt. The weird part of it, I just, for, for an average golfer, or a, not a professional golfer by any means, like a lot of our audience is, I, I just can't picture someone standing over the ball Knowing that your club is going to break, knowing that you're probably going to feel some vibrations up your forearm and still pulling the shot off. Mark, did you see the video? Uh, it was unbelievable. It, it was, we were on the air when it happened. We were calling it. It hits, hooks it up over a penalty area, over water feature on it, and then makes the putt. He makes the putt afterwards. Um, he finished the round with the club. It bent, but it didn't break. So the caddy gets in there puts the towel on the shaft and they they kind of got it as straight as they could so he could finish the round with the nine iron. They almost got it back to straight. They just had like a soft bend in it still. But I find this whole thing amazing, to your point. A, thinking you could pull it off. B, knowing you're going to take one in the hands, to your point, which could go sideways. Then being able to like save the shaft for the remainder of the round, bizarre, but highlight reel for sure for Nick Hardy. Yeah, looking forward to playing that video on television this week for our audience to see if they if they had missed it. Now, speaking of good video, that goes to my what this week. And the NHL has posted a video of some young stars having a long drive contest. Now, it's in a simulator, so it's not quite outdoors, but you can still see all the stats and, and that sort of thing. And included in that was Austin Matthews, who is a lefty, and he had a drive. Hit the fair ball had hit the fairway. Keith Yandel, who is now a retired uh, former NHLer, but held the Iron Man streak for quite some time before Phil Kessel uh, took it over. Austin Matthews hit one out there, 300. Looked like he had it going for a long time. Then Trevor Zegras, who's put a lot of highlight reel Michigan-style goals together on the Anaheim Ducks, he bunted one out there, 318. So, Mark, I know I know you're on the edge of your seat waiting for Austin Matthews to sign a contract extension with the Maple Leafs, but what we do know is that he can hit at 300 yards. So, pretty good player. Yeah, well, hockey players are traditionally great golfers. And unfortunately, uh, for most of Austin's tenure with uh, Tavares and Marner and whatnot, they've had a lot of time to golf. I wish they didn't. I wish their <laughs> golf game was in the toilet because they were playing late into the summer hoisting Stanley Cups. But unfortunately, they tend to get – they have a bigger golf season than I do, I can tell you that. So, you, and you know what else I meant to tell you, Adam, too? We were talking about playoffs and wild card weekend and whatnot. Uh, Brock Purdy. Cleared for training camp. Oh, yeah. A couple of days ago, the Niners are going to have a starting quarterback for week one of the NFL. Is that, I know that's thrilling for you. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was losing sleep over how excited I was to, you know, for this news about Brock Purdy. And I'll never forget before we go to break <laughs> when we were shooting our uh, tailor made product special in Carlsbad. 
and uh, Bob, myself, and Nick Obert from TaylorMade were going to fly home. And he said, you know, he thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a quick little drive up to Vegas, watch my 49ers, take on the Eagles in the playoffs. One of the first plays. We're still sitting on the tarmac, and the injury happens. And I know you were just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Happened in like the first five minutes of the game. Completely changed the complexion of the NFC Championship. But I know that Lindsey Hamilton, James Duffy, and myself, and I know there's more 49er faithful in uh, the TSN family. There's quite a few of us. Uh, Very excited that uh, Brock Purdy will be under center to start the year. I was worried he wasn't going to be ready to go to like week four or five or something like that. And you know, the, 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 the division's too tough. The league's too tough now to just say, sacrifice three or four games. I know the team's good. I know they could have maybe patched it together for, you know, 500, 500 record maybe without them, but I don't know. I'm not a trailer. Trey Lance, I think the Trey Lance days, yeah. I think it's, I think they're done. I don't, I think that, that career in San Fran is over before it starts. I think skulls. Well, will see. you know, I, I don't really have an NFL team, so Maybe we're looking. Maybe we're looking. We're, we're welcome. Looking. You're welcome to to come into the uh, 49er camp if you're looking. It's, Mrs. It's Golf Talk from. Canada is all about the Buffalo Bills Mafia. Oh boy. So has we'll she, see. Has uh, she jumped through a table. She, <laughs> she tried to put me through a table. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, we'll have much more on whether I'm a 49ers fan as the NFL season only a couple weeks away now which is so exciting. I love this time of year. Anyway, on the other side, we're going to wrap up today's show. We're going to have leaderboard updates from around the world of golf, and we're going to update you on our schedule here as we move forward. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up our August long weekend best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, coming up this week on GTC, safe to say it's a huge week in the golf world. First, we have the Women's British Open, the fifth and final major on the LPGA calendar. Brooke Henderson looking for major victory number three. She has 14 consecutive major finishes of T25 or better. That is remarkable, to say the least. And of course, a couple weeks ago, that Evian Championship runner-up finished, so she is coming in with good form. On the PGA Tour, it's the playoffs. The playoffs will be here. FedEx Cup playoffs getting underway. The top 70 who made it through will kick off the first of three legs in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Of course, wrapping up with the Tour Championship, the top 30, in a couple of weeks at Eastlake. 
only a couple more weeks too left of 20 weeks of TaylorMade. For much more information, check out our website, golftalkcanada.com. Click the 20 weeks of TaylorMade tab, sign up for our fantasy pool, and you'll be in the draw to win. Check out our social media channels to see who won this past week, where we gave away six dozen TaylorMade tour response golf balls. 20 weeks of TaylorMade, only a couple of weeks left. Well, of course, we'll be back on television tomorrow night, tomorrow Tuesday night, as we are now in prime time. And then Wednesday, we're here again, TSN 1050, 10 a.m. until noon. And then we'll be on throughout the day as well on TSN television. Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Hope you've all had a very excellent, a great August long weekend. And we'll see you all again tomorrow night on Golf Talk Canada television. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.